Welcome to the Next Generation Podcast, where we help business owners connect to their profits and earn their freedom. Join us as we discuss ways you can grow your small business, build your wealth, and help others along the way. Here's your host, Dan Cotton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Next Generation People and Profits podcast. Before we get into the episode, I want to give you a quick disclaimer. Today's episode with Karen Wilson, we had a little bit of technical issues at the beginning of our podcast. We actually ended up switching over to our laptop and the audio quality improves immensely. And I thought about cutting the first portion and just jumping into the second, but There was such some good content at the beginning that I feel like I can't cut it out. So if you can push through and listen to the first portion of it, I really recommend it. If not, if the audio quality is bugging you too much, I would just jump to right around 14 minutes and you should be past it and to the much clearer audio where you won't have kind of the weird clicking and internet noise we were getting. With that, let's get right to the episode right now. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of the Next Generation People and Profits podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today I get the opportunity to sit down with Karen Wilson from the USASF, or the United States All-Star Federation. And Karen is an incredibly busy woman. Uh, In fact, I think I'll see her maybe tomorrow uh, in Bellevue at a competition. She bounces around a lot and is one of our She's our regional director out here on the West Coast, and so we've known each other for a long time. And yeah, for the for everyone who doesn't know you, Karen, would you mind introducing yourself and just telling them kind of who you are, what you do, and, and maybe even a little bit about USASF? Okay, I would love to. Hi, everyone. My name is Karen Wilson, and as Dan said, I am the regional director for the West Coast. Proudly, West Coast is the best coast. And I've been with the USASF since uh, 2009, I believe. And I got my start by actually attending a meeting because there were decisions being made that I didn't understand. And I thought, well, I better get involved so I can understand them. So uh, luckily from there, I just continued to stay involved. And I do a lot of things for for the USASF. I help with registration and membership is my main role making sure everyone is compliant. But I also work on a lot of committees and I get the privilege and honor of trying to do a lot of things that I think are beneficial to the kids, to the athletes, and to legitimize our sport. So I love those parts as well. Awesome. Um, and yeah, I mean, that that what is USASF's main mission? Like what is the, the stated mission statement of USASF? Well, the, the mission really is about safety, rules and consistency. I'm not going to quote it verbatim. Everything comes down to, uh, that's probably one committee I'm not on is rules. Um, so, but the mission really is whenever we make any decisions, is it in the best interest of the kids? Does it promote the safety for the athletes? Is it consistent with other sports, with other things that we do? And is it going to help with the longevity and the legitimacy of the sport? Awesome. And, and I'm, I'm old enough to remember, uh, I started coaching pre USASF and so I was coaching in like 2000 and 
2002 was when I started cheering in college and started kind of dabbling in coaching. And, you know, I, my very first team I ever coached was a, uh, junior prep. I don't know why it was called junior prep, but that's what it was called. And, right. and we, it, there were no rules. Like it was just, it was junior prep. It wasn't like a level. It was just junior prep. And then the next year I was teaching kids to do, I mean, we had a, a team, I think it was a senior team and we were doing all sorts of crazy things that, you know, only back handsprings on the team, but we were doing full up stunts, you know, like it was just, uh, we were kind of doing everything. So I, and I remember go when USASF kind of came about and how things changed, uh, and in a lot of positive ways. And especially on that rule side, like that was really where it started is we finally had like, Oh, these are my left and right parameters of what I'm allowed to do. Right. Exactly. I remember those days too. And it was, you know, beginner or intermediate advanced and, yes. you know, but the rules changed from week to week based on what the event producer was doing. And that just wasn't safe for kids as we all know, because they have to get to that level to compete where it's almost by, you know, by rote. And when the rules change every week, week and you're only having one or two practices, it's tough. As you guys all know right now with what's going on in the gyms yes. every week, you know, it's, it's very hard for them to get to that performance level if you're constantly changing things. And that was a huge concern of mine with why I chose to get involved is I needed to see that consistency. And I also needed to be able to explain it to the parents. Why does it change every week? It doesn't make sense. And if they're investing in me as a coach or in my program, I needed to understand it. I needed to be able to defend it right. and make sure that they, that they also understood what we did. And ultimately I just didn't feel that it was safe for the kids and fought for those as well for those guidelines that would protect them. And so now USASF, that's your full-time job. Yeah, I was part-time probably for five years. Okay. And also ran my program. And then also my husband and I have a, have a business here where I live. So I was, okay. and my children were at home at the time. So now those other things have taken care of themselves and I am full-time with the USASF. Okay. And so when you say ran your program, you're also, you were a gym owner. So you have a plethora yeah, actually, of experience. I, actually, I was not the, actually, I was not the owner. I was okay. one of those people in the very beginning, 1999, so I'm dating myself, and I ran the Pop Warner program, I guess that's what you'd call it, here in my town. Yes, so I had, I was the coach or the coordinator for the local Pop Warner program, and I had four kids when I started, literally knocking on doors, and then ended up with 80. Wow. And it was just, it was, it was yeah, it was a pretty, this is a, I live in a pretty rural area, so it was pretty significant. And then there was a local gym and they had heard about cheerleading and they came to me and offered me a job. And I said, well, I don't know about this all-star stuff. Right. <laughs> so I had to learn. And okay. that was in 1999. Wow. And so luckily for me, the owner was like, hey, you do what you do and I'll do what I do. And so I really had best of both worlds because I got to run it the way that I saw fit, but then she ran the, the facility, the gymnastics facility. So it was really great. That's awesome. Um, so you transitioned to USASF and you mentioned you're not on the rules side, but you're on a bunch of other committees. 
um, because yep. I it seemed like maybe, and I may be wrong. I'm I'm not a historian. Maybe two to three years after kind of the rule stuff, USASF started to get a little bit more involved in other aspects of of all-star cheerleading beyond rules, whether it be you know, registration of athletes and registration of, of coaches and just all those different aspects really started to kind of become more. I remember when athletes had to first make their athlete member profile and that process. So it USASF has expanded into more facets of cheerleading. Uh, so what are some of those committees that you're on? Well, I, I'd love to kind of give some everybody a little education on that because sure. I think it's important to note that when I got involved with the USASF, what I really liked initially was at the very first meeting I went to, they were really interested in hearing what I had to say. And I was in a room full of people who were world champions. And and yet they seemed very interested in what I had to say. And I, I found that very welcoming and intriguing. As I got more involved, that philosophy did not change. The From the top down, it was always, we need to t- talk to other gym owners, other coaches, athletes themselves and find out what the needs are. What are the boots on the ground? So I always say to people, the USASF is not what it appears all the time and what people think. It really is philosophically built on committees. Everything that comes up bubbled up from a committee, which was the discussion or a need that a member expressed. And then we read it out to see if it had validity. And if it was within our lane, like what the beginning of our conversation, like did it fit into safety? Did it fit into what was best for the sport development? And so painstakingly, especially when you are used to making your own decisions really quickly, you know, it's my gym or it's my business. I can make a decision when you work in an environment like this where everything goes through committee, it can be frustrating. But the goal is that we get a ton of different perspectives. And I really like that. It's frustrating at times because it does seem slow. But we're at a round table with people who are brand new to All Star next to somebody who's been doing this for 25 years. And I think that's important to note as well. So the regional advisory board committees are how we kick off. And that happens in May or June, depending on the season in May or June, and we get together with owners and coaches. Everybody's eligible. We send out an email. Hey, would you like to sit and serve on the regional advisory board? And we have them tell us what they want to talk about. What are the topics? What are the things that are going on for you that you think the USASF might be able to either create a program, a policy, a protocol, you know, something like that. Like what is actually going on? And that happens for five regions. And then we also have the Athlete Advisory Council. So it's six different groups of people that come together and they tell us what they want to talk about. And then we do the hard work of trying to figure out what, where's the commonality. Is what's happening in the Northeast happening in the West? You know, mm. and where are there things that are that we can actually look at? And then we have to look at whether or not it fits in our lane. Like I said, you know, is it really something that we can do or that we should do? And so that it goes from the regional advisory board and then we go to the national meeting, which is in the summer, and we host those regional assemblies. Those regional assemblies are where those topics that bubbled up out of the RAB come up 
we don't just pull them out of a hat. We don't just say, hey, mm-hmm. we think we want to do this. It came from somebody saying that there was a need, and our goal as regional directors is to really determine whether or not that is true and whether there's validity to it and what the unintended consequences could be or what the benefits might be. So we go to the regional assemblies, and then we have to put it through, is this a policy? Is this a rule? Is this, you know, where does it fit in? And then determine which committee it goes to from there. So if it's a policy, something that we're going to create or look at as a program, you know, as a tool that people could utilize, it would go to the National Advisory National Advisory Board looks at it from a brand new perspective. And those are event producers, affiliates, owners, coaches, choreographers. We bring all different realms of the sport together. And they haven't had the kind of why. They're getting the higher end level of this is where we're at. We'd like to do this. And they kind of poke holes in it. You mm-hmm. know, is it really something we should do? Are other sports doing it? What's it going to cost? Who's it going to benefit? Those kind of things. If the National board the national advisory board approves it then it would go to the board of directors or the national advisory board could say let's pilot it let's take it back and do a little bit more vetting let's test it out they have that autonomy to do that as well so i i work closely with the national advisory board because i love creating those kind of programs and things that people can use then i also work with the athlete advisory council because we didn't have that we were a youth sport organization for years with 15 standing committees and none of them had athletes so we looked at that and said we need to have athletes voices here so we created a process for that and i oversee the that process and i get the privilege of working with those young people uh, as well throughout the year and they they have brought so much to the organization because they're brutally honest and they're very savvy, and they're very excited to be part of something. And so it's been a great, that part of it's been great. So, and then most recently, and I'm really excited about this, is we formed, actually from that exact process, we started talking about mental health before the pandemic. Hmm. And the kids are the ones on the Athlete Advisory Council are the ones that brought that to us. They said, we are worn out. (laughs) And we feel like a skill and not a whole person. Mm. And now they were talking about athlete burnout. You know, they they just felt like they were carrying the back, the business on their backs a little bit. Yeah. And so we said, well, let's dive into that. And so we were looking at athlete burnout and the sport being, you know, year round, all those Mm -hmm. things. But they were the ones that were bold enough to bring that to us. We were just diving into that and what we could do and what we could offer. And we came up with a couple of things. They were actually at the national meeting. We had several, I think nine or 10 of them. The one you were at, Dan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, opened up that conversation and then the pandemic hit. So they got the break, but it wasn't exactly for the right reason. It wasn't know? the one they wanted. And so, they, no, none of us wanted. And so, but what we did see, I think, and I can't back up with statistics but that break we did see kids be able to heal be able to rest and then when they did come back i heard that with the kids that i talked to they were more excited to get back than ever before because of the break so Mm -hmm. so that was good but then from that we all started talking about the wear and tear mentally on all of you as coaches on the owners and the burden that that all this has done for the coaches and then obviously for the athletes 
communities. So that conversation about mental health, mental well-being really has continued since 2019. And so we brought it back to the regional advisory boards. It bubbled up again. It had great support. And then we took it to the regional assemblies at the national meeting. And then we brought it to the national advisory board. And it was voted on and accepted by the board of directors in just this past September to create a new committee, uh, which is now called All-Star Wellness. But the focus is on providing resources, credible best practices, potentially training, we're not sure about that yet because of what's going to be involved, but for mm-hmm. coaches, for the emotional, physical, and mental well-being of athletes. So we're uh, really excited about that. That's where a lot of my emphasis is right now. Yeah, wow. Uh, so much to <laughs> unpack there because that was a lot of – I mean, I didn't even know all of that. And it's it's crazy to hear about how many different things and how many – kind of plates you guys have spinning balls in the air, however you want to look at it, um, to it. Uh, so we just fixed some technical difficulties there. Uh, got our, our audio working a little bit better. So we switched some devices around, but we are back and, uh, we were just, I was just commenting on how kind of crazy it is, how many balls you guys have in the air and how much you have going on and all these different committees. And, um, I mean, it's kind of crazy, but you were talking about a couple really big things that are upcoming um, or kind of in process. And uh, you mentioned that athlete group, which is amazing. And it sounds like you guys are doing some things or working towards some things with mental health for both coaches and athletes. Can you tell us any more about kind of what you guys are thinking or what you're hoping to do? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a great committee. Dr. Russell Kennedy is working with us because that's his area of expertise. And so the committee at first was charged with searching out credible resources, first of all. Where, who are the credible people that could help a sport organization with helping youth with mental health um, awareness and education? So that was the first charge. The second charge was to, to actually try to determine what the coaches might need. What does that look like? Is it awareness? Is it education? And do we also look at what the athletes need? And then the third part was, what are other sports doing? Because we always want to look and see, uh, again, if somebody else is doing something and it's working, it helps us know that that it's a viable next step for us. And so uh, because I think of the pandemic, there's so much available that the committee has been really diligent about really seeking out all of those things that I said, identifying the best practices and the best resources uh, with all that. And I wanted to make sure as well, serving as the chairman of that committee, that they were extremely knowledgeable. If they're going to serve on that committee, I wanted them to be as knowledgeable as possible moving it forward. So they've done their own education part of it and some training themselves and we're going to continue with that because if we're going to ultimately recommend you know something like training i want to make sure that the people who are recommending it are at that level as well the biggest challenge dan is we want to make sure one it's in our lane again part back to that mission and mm-hmm. then two two the other part of it that's that's challenging is we have we're at a time right now where people are so weary and even though mental health is the problem, if we say we're going to add another element for membership, 
and it's education, you know, people are going to, oh, one more thing, you know. So, so the challenge is how can we get the information that's going to help the kids to the coaches and the owners without somehow the unintended consequences being that somehow we've made them a counselor with a right. little information because there can be more harm done in that element and that step as well. So the, the challenge has been as we dove into this is where's the fine line between being a coach versus being a counselor. And so the best way I can tell you that we made it, and this was Dr. Kennedy's words, not mine, but if you as a coach, and I'll put you on the spot, if you had an athlete that walked into your gym and they were limping and on crutches, my, my guess is you know exactly what to do. You know exactly what to say to them. Yeah. And you know you're going to tell them, hey, you need to go get that checked out and you're going to need a release before you can come back to practice. Right. Right. That's you looking out for. You take that exact same athlete. They walk into your gym. They appear to have lost weight. They look disheveled. Maybe they haven't showered. They don't make eye contact with you. They're closed off. Do we think that most of the coaches know what to do? Oh, hundred percent. They do not. They do not. And so what happens is we have coaches that will here, what's wrong. Tell me, tell me what's happening. And then we have other coaches. They don't want to know. They don't want to see it. They just want mm -hmm. to ignore it. And the problem is those kids are looking to you even with unspoken words to help them. Yep. How many times have we heard, you know, it's my second home, but when we, when we ignore them, what does that tell them that we only see them as a skill? And if we help them when we don't have the resources of the skill set or the knowledge on how to help them, we could be, we could actually be doing more harm than good. Right. I call it the, doctor, the, the Dr. Google effect. You know, I'm just going to Google it. You have problems. I'm going to figure out what, what you need. And so I think that most of our coaches probably have experienced at some point, somebody coming in, Hey, can I just tell you something about my daughter? You know, she hasn't been eating. You know, I'm worried that she might be binge, binging or purging. Right. But don't say anything, but she trusts you. Well, that's a horrible position for you to be in. Yeah. Parents put you in those positions all the time, though. Not necessarily right. with that specific scenario, but situations like that. Right. So the challenge for us is, you know, if we put out training, are we giving them too much, you know, mm -hmm. to where they think, oh, I'm certified or I'm credentialed in this? Or, you know, so what does that look like? So one of the things that we've we've explored is what's, you know, trauma-informed care, which I yep. really love, which you would know, right? Yes, so, yep. So trauma-informed care is really about being empathetic and then knowing how to respond, you know, appropriately. It's yep. not about diagnosing. It's not about fixing. It's literally that empathetic approach. And so... Uh, we're, 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 we're walking down that lane of, is it possible for coaches to become trained in trauma informed care? And we know that it's happening in police off, you know, in, with police, with fire, and now in school, in schools as well. Some are adopting that approach. Yep. So, so we're looking at that as well, but in the interim, some things that are happening that I'm really excited about and can, you're the first person to know. How about that? Excellent. So, I love it. 
So you are the first person to know is what, and I'm going to tell you why we're doing this is I did go to an event. I think I saw you there uh, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. And I said to myself, I'm going to make sure that I ask as many as I can how the kids are doing. Yep. Because I'm there to check in, non-compliant. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm there. Yep, to yep. Do all so what was interesting was I would, you know, somebody would walk up, hand me their roster. I'm going through the process. And then as we're working on something, I'd say, how are the kids doing? And universally, almost every single coach that I asked would do this. <sighs> like they would take in a big sigh, you know, and it was so obvious that they were weary. And mm-hmm. so I came back to the, the group and I said, you know, we're focused on the kids, which is appropriate, but I think we also need to check in on the coaches. I think that they are, they are carrying so much weight with all this. So what we decided to do and what's being released next week is all the coaches are going to get a check-in email for them. We're sending mm-hmm. out a mental health, how you doing? Yeah. You know, and, they, and what we're hoping for is that they'll be truthful and tell us you know, and then it's like, it's in a survey format. It's really brief, mm-hmm. but then from there we, we go, you know, tell us about the kids. How are they doing? You know, and we give them a couple different, like by age group, you know, what are you seeing in that sixth and younger? What are you seeing in that? And it's not a diagnosis. It's really, we just want to know sure. what is you're seeing. And so our hope with that is two things. One is that the coaches are going to say, wow, they, they really care which is true. We do care about them because mm-hmm. if they're not well, the kids aren't going to be well. Exactly. You know? So we hope that comes across. And then two, what we can glean from that in looking at the data is what you guys actually are dealing with a little bit more than kind of what we think you might be dealing with. And that's going to help us set the priorities of what information we can provide. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So we're really using that as a check-in and as a, you know, when we get the data back, we'll be able to say, all right, well, what they're seeing mostly is, you know, we're hearing from our committee members, you know, all kinds of things, oh, yeah. you know, from anxiety to self-harm to um, apathy being, you know, not having the energy to practice depression, mm-hmm. uh, binge eating, disordered eating, all those things. So under the scope of everything, we're hoping that 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 information will give us a starting point, so to speak. So so that's happening next week. And we're hoping that that's going to give us some, you know, great direction there. Yeah. And then the thing that we were doing is as we were weighing this whole like training is not going to land well. It's needed, but it's not going to land well right now because of what Mm. I just said, weary. Right. They're just so tired. Everyone's weary and they're there's there's a lot of training out there, you know, and there's like you were saying, if it's just that one more checkbox, right? Okay. I've got to do safe sport and then I've got to do this and then I've got to do this. And then I've got to watch these videos on credentialing because my cycle is up and it just kind of can feel, it can feel overwhelming at a time that everyone is already overwhelmed and not to interrupt, but you know, we just, our episode last week was kind of a last minute one where me and Shelly just talked, we talked for like an hour on, like just trying to survive this moment um, because coaches are, I, I think it depends geographically where you're at, but 
I mentioned we're headed to an event this weekend. The level of anxiety, and I'm not an anxiety-ridden person. The the level of anxiety and stress I have had for the last 14 days because I'm just waiting for that text message of a kid who's out. And right now, I'm it's tripled because we're going into our test to participate phase. And so I'm just dreading the Friday text message of one of my most important athletes or any of my athletes being out. And now I have to figure out a new routine at a competition because they tested positive and, and didn't have symptoms. So it's just, there is so much additional stress that we've never had to deal with before. Yep. And it's, it's a big weight well, on those, coaches I mean, and kids. I, oh yeah. I feel it. I feel it when I talk to people, when I see them, you know, the, that weight, like you said, somebody like yourself who really typically good at rolling with the punches, right? Like you can, but all of a sudden everything is up in the air. We definitely feel that and see it. So I, I hear you on that. And that's, that's why we don't want to, we want to find a solution, but we have to do it in a way that it can be received. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the challenge, you know? So one of the things that we're doing again, kind of you're the first to know is I kind of looked at the rules, you know, how we put out the quizzes for the rules. Sure. Those are in really small bursts. They're in small increments. If you are the guy that is just like totally, you know, you don't need that because you get it, then great. You bypass it. Mm -hmm. But if you want to challenge yourself, those quizzes are, are designed not to say you're an expert in this, but to test yourself, right? To go, oh, well, well do I know that answer? So what we did was in this dilemma of the weariness of all of you guys and us trying to get awareness and help out there is we created a 13 week series on mental wellness that that is just like the quizzes. It'll just roll out. They'll be scenario based that mm -hmm. uh, some of the committee members came up with like, dealing with this. There's a scenario. And then Dr. Kennedy provided the answers and then a really brief like, you know, why the answer is what it is and then a link to one of those credible resources. We're not the experts. So right. they, they can be in doses, so to speak, because that's where everybody's at right now. I can't, I can't take more than five minutes of anything. <laughs> you know, what's, so uh, what's cool about that, as I'm hearing you explain it, is you were talking about kind of the, the challenge of training coaches, but what you're talking about there, that's exactly what we need to be doing with our kids, right? We, and those are opportunities. You can have those conversations with your kids, with your whole team. Hey, you know, when you're feeling anxious, you know, these are, uh, you know, if you're feeling these kind of ways, that's some signs. These are some tactics to maybe deal with them. And if you need more help, here's resources. And that's the entire premise of trauma informed care and, and that empathy and listening and also just knowing, okay, it's outside my depth. You've now I've listened and now I divert to the professionals who can deal with this. Um, so you're, you're really modeling the behavior for coaches to utilize later on. I, I hope so. I, I mean, we were really, when we worked on this, we were, we all got really excited because everything else seemed too daunting. It seemed mm -hmm. too much considering, but once we, we started going down this road, it was like, this will work this will meet that need exactly to what you said, because then they can go and seek out what they need from the professionals. But the overriding thing of this 13 week series is creating that safe space at your 
at your club, your gym, your studio, so that they can do exactly what you said, that we care, we, we're listening, we want to acknowledge it. And man, is that powerful to kids? Mm-hmm. Is that powerful? When you as Dan say, guys, I'm weary, that gives them permission to be weary instead of them holding it all in, you know? And that's that's part of the the struggle right now is we created a sport where we, perfection was the goal. And we yep. are so far from perfection <laughs> with anything. And so we have to also teach them that it's okay not to be perfect, that this is, you know, and how we cope. What a great opportunity for them to see you, somebody they respect in so many ways, admit, you know, a little vulnerability of, I'm tired, I'm struggling. Right. We can, and they, they can take that and go, well, if he's acknowledging it and it's happening to him, then it's okay for me. And then they're not, hopefully not taking so much of it in on themselves. So we're excited yeah. about that. Should be releasing the first one should be going out the second week of February and it should go all the way through to worlds, you know, so 13 weeks, which I know makes everybody got ranch right there. 13 weeks to and- worlds. What? <laughs> What'd you just say? <laughs> I don't yeah, even have a bid yet, but yeah. And then we're hoping that that will build, that will build into um, potentially doing another one, maybe on you know bullying and all the things that, that people have told us that they're dealing with, but we're hoping this one series will really just comfort coaches to know there's something out there that's palatable and easy for them to digest, but mm-hmm. practical that they can utilize right away first of all and then and then second of all hope keep the conversation going you know as we go through the potentially you know the national meeting the rab meetings and such what are the other things you need so right so i'm excited about where it's going you know yeah i mean it's it sounds like it's in kind of the fledgling stages but it's done a lot of work uh but as we all know you know that first routine is only as good as the first time you try and put it on the mat and you find all the problems so i'm sure that (laughs) happens with with what yeah. you guys are build and do and you you see okay this one landed really well this didn't we need to refine so i'm excited to see where that goes um what one of the things that usasf does or has tried to do in the past is um build things that are going to help gym owners grow their gym uh right. for instance when fundamentals was created yeah. um uh, are there any things that USASF is talking about doing any new things for member gyms that can help them in that market? Cause really that's in next gen. That's our goal. Our goal is to have business owners and gym owners be, be financially successful because we truly believe that when gyms are profitable and when they can pay their coaches the correct wages, they're less likely to employ coaches that shouldn't be employed because they don't have anybody else and they're, they can deliver a better product to kids and they can just, it just makes everything better when their businesses are successful. And I think USASF realizes that, uh, from my conversations with you and, and others. Mm -hmm. So what, if anything, uh, is the USASF doing, if you know, that you can tell us about, if there's anything new? Yeah, I think that that I can share with you something that's that I'm excited about as well. And I can give, let me give everybody a little context too. You're right. There was a recognition probably about eight or nine years ago when we would have actual in-person meetings for the RAB, right? That the ability to run the business was was one of the biggest struggles. 
What we've found out since through surveys and such is that, I, and please don't quote me, but because I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think it's about 70% of our program owners are also coaches. Mm-hmm. And they also have other jobs. So when they walk into the studio or the gym, running a profit and loss statement isn't their first priority. You know, they go to what they're passionate about. And so in those conversations, that's when, like you said, the rules and all those things, once we got those, what we felt, you know, were stabilized, then those were the conversations that continually came up is we need help in running businesses. And so that's where those programs that you're talking about were initially went through that process that I talked about at the beginning. Let's say, hey, we need, we need character development. So the What's Your IQ program was developed. We need leadership programs. So the leadership workshops were, you know, and there's programs that have leadership programs and that's great, but there's some mm-hmm. that just cannot put it together because of what I just said. Right. So we have, we just, we have it if, if, if it's, you know, something that people want to utilize. And then as the years have gone on, it became more and more evident that the running of the business was really secondary, sometimes not even on the agenda. I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty shocking. And so we did create some of those tools that you see, or people would see in their USASF membership portal. The fundamentals is probably the biggest one in that, uh, you know, as far as the business, it goes to that stair stepping. We got to give them a place to come in to entry to try the sport first. And yep. so the fundamentals program was, and has been, and continues to be very successful. What happened, I think, in the last two or three years is obviously with the pandemic, uh, the development of new programs has a, a, a gone to the back burner a little bit because there's so many other things that we're working on that be, that hit that priority list, right? Like right. What we just talked. Mm-hmm. That being said, last year at the national meeting, we had, I think, over 65 classes offered. And our connection leaders were very instrumental in in their owners in providing the content, the classes, and the delivery of helping other gym owners, you know, learn mm-hmm. how to run a business. The problem and they were all very successful. Our our turnout was great considering we're in the pandemic, and also the feedback in the surveys was great. The problem is when we have a training class and we have Peter Lezen in a room teaching people how to do stunts and Dr. Kennedy is in the same room teaching people how to talk to the kids when the stunts don't work. And we have Dr. Lindsay Stevens in the room telling people about what happens, you know, to prevent the long term injuries. You know, people aren't going to go to a business class. You know what I mean? If that's going in the room next door. So that becomes the challenge is when you have 70 percent of the owners are also coaches and their passion and their love is Mm -hmm. coaching that's where they're going to go so what so those 66 classes were very well received for the 10 people who went per class because everybody else. i hear you and and i know that you guys aren't that's not your your job isn't to coach us in business right your job is to help athletes be safe but i was more referencing that i feel like usasf recognized that getting Getting kids in the door helps businesses be more successful. And you have created those resources for people who don't have time and those kind of things. So I don't anticipate USASF to stand up a, uh, a business coaching seminar. I, in fact, we're happy to do that kind of stuff. Uh, but I agree with you. I mean, I experienced that when I spoke at USASF conference. It wasn't about business, but I think I had like 15 people in my class for a really important class, but I, they, they all want to learn how to the newest double up grip. And the, like, I, I joke with, uh, with people all the time, you know, people will pay 
$22,000 in a season to get their team's routines from the bestest choreographer that might win them one higher place. But if you tell them that they could spend $5,000 to learn how to run their business and make $30,000 more, they're like, oh, I don't know if I can afford that. And it's just, it's a priority thing because we're all, we all are in this, most of us are in this because we love cheerleading. And I coach too and own a business and, (laughs) and work. You're hitting it so, it's so accurate what you're saying. And it's so frustrating because then people will say to us, you know, well, then the, the national meeting would be just for owners, you know, because if we're right. just focusing on the, so we've really worked hard in the last, since 2019 to, to try to find that balance, you know, so with the skills that are so wanted and needed, by the way, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we have, also have, and we know of, you know, junior coaches, Sure. No training. Like, you know, so it's absolutely necessary. So those that's where I was going to say a couple of things are on the, in the pipeline. One, we are in the development of a junior coaches training program. Oh, so cool. that, yeah, so that'll be similar in that, that that's the same team that developed the fundamentals is working on this. So that junior coaches program we've talked about for years and we've offered it national meetings from different people who do different things, but we're going to, you know, put it all together so that it's an available resource for people. And then uh, my understanding is that, and my hope is that's going to be revealed at the national meeting. And so we do have athletes that come to the national meeting and they'll have an option to go to the athlete track, depending on their age or if they're a junior coach. So it's going to encourage, I know coaches want to go to the national meeting, not with the kids, but you know, it's just a great opportunity for them to get that training. So that will be offered. The second thing that we're doing that I'm excited about that you should probably know about is that in recognizing that when people come to the meeting, they really want to go to those skill-based classes or, you know, the ones about how they can be better coaches, you know, to the Mm -hmm. kids that they serve. So what we've done is there's going to be a skills clinic on Thursday, optional. So if people want to come to that, and then Friday morning, we are offering our leadership workshops are, have always traditionally been held on the Friday morning of the national meeting. Mm-hmm. They're extra, but it's a deep dive. They're interactive, it, well, hugely successful and well-received. And though we have the impact for the adults, professional you know, level, mm-hmm. and then we have Bolt and March for the athletes. So what I did was I said, well, why don't we do the same concept in theory for owners? So we have developed an owner's masterclass. And so that masterclass will coincide at the same time as the leadership program and at the same time as Bolt. And the hope is that those coaches and owners can come to the clinic on the skills clinic on Thursday mm-hmm. and then on Friday morning come to that owner's workshop because there won't be anything conflicting with it. Right. But it will be just like, this is what I do in my gym. It's going to be people, I have five amazing uh, people lined up to host mm-hmm. that, Shelly Shepard being one of them. Yep. And so the, it's the way that it's going to run. It's five hours, so it's a master class. It's much, it's much more of a deep dive than a talking points. Like here's what I do. It will be, it will be where those five individuals will each have one topic, but all, all five will input and integrate on it, and it will be practical. Meaning that, for example. You know, Sean Herrera came on one of our regional calls and he provided a, a spreadsheet for everyone that had already been preset and pre-formulated for profit and loss, right? Mm-hmm. Where you plug in, it'll be like that. So 
one of these masters will will have a topic, dive in, teach about it, what the benefits of it will be, and then the attendees will be on their computer and learning how to, to apply it. And then all the other, the masterclass facilitators will be there sitting at the table with them. This is what how you do it. This is what, you know, what happens. So the hope with that is that they get that intense training from those people who are in All-Star and experienced, but super successful on the business side. Yep. You know? And then, then they can walk out of there feeling like they've got that, you know, a great stepping stone for that. And then the meeting itself starts at 1.30. And so then they can go and be free to do all the other things. So my hope is that the coaches will come to the, tra- the, the clinic on Thursday, hit leadership, workshop. The junior coaches will hit the bolt in March. And then the owners will hit the master class. That's so I'm- really awesome. I did know about some of it, but uh, not all of it. And, you know, the junior coach thing is it's something we teach on. And we always when we do conferences, we always talk about how to implement a junior coach program. But one of the biggest complaints we hear from owners is I can't find good employees. I either can't find employees that want to do the work and are actually committed or I can't find people who are just who fit in our gym. And that is one of the best resources is kids who grew up with you kids who are from your program and you've trained up and they want to be there i mean you listen to those kids if you if you get to know your kids um really well and i know some gyms do and some don't do some of that stuff but we do at our camp that uh we run we sit around a campfire and we talk about goals and we talk about all these things and when you're out there with your like 12 13 year old kids 50% of them say, I want to be a gym owner. I want to own a gym or I want to be a cheer coach, right? Like those are kids who dream of that. And if you can start to funnel them into being some of your amazing employees in the future, you know, that's where some of these top, top gyms that you look at that win a lot and are very, very uh, successful on the competitive side. Most of their coaches are homegrown. They've come up in their programs. So I think that's really cool. It's absolutely, I mean, we talked about you being in this for a long time and myself as well. That was my biggest challenge as what I was doing and what I saw as the biggest issue facing the industry other than the obvious things, right? Is that ability to bring in coaches, especially like in a a rural area or a disenfranchised or, you know, underserved area. When you're in a high demographic and you have maybe colleges or great high schools, that's a different pool. But if you don't have that, you have to grow them from within. And so All-Star doesn't have those camps, those clinics like, you know, other other disciplines do. And and so the development of that is critical to our future, I believe. It's critical. Absolutely. And it, it has to be combined as well, Dan, with like what you were saying, not just how to teach the skills, because we have athletes reporting you know, that they're thrown out there just because they're good athletes. Hey, I need you to coach this team. That's how desperate Mm -hmm. some gym owners Mm -hmm. are for help. But they don't have any training on how to speak to kids or how to transition from being a a high-level successful athlete to, you know, bringing out the best in others. So it has to incorporate, that junior coaches program has to incorporate leadership. It has to incorporate how be a great employee, how to be on time, how to be responsible, how to do all, all of those things. So it's it's really important for our future to do that because those great programs that you talked about, at some point, those folks are going to retire. 
Yep. You know, so we've got to focus on that younger generation. And so one of the other things that we're doing with leadership this year, because of the pandemic, we were able to convert some of it to virtual. And so oh. what we're doing this year with the leadership program is, like I said, they can, the, the you know, we're going to have it at the national meeting, but we're creating what's called leadership by design. And what that means is I modeled, you can see my theme, my theme here. I look at what other people do that's successful and go, how do we do it? Yeah. So we look in our sport with, like what you said with choreography, you can call uh, your a choreographer and you can say, well, I want, I have five routines and I want for this, a full routine for this team. And I want just a pyramid for this team. And I want to dance. Like you can customize it for your needs based on what you have. So we developed the same thing for leadership hmm. because we now have a pool of classes, you know, and curriculum and great facilitators. So for you example, you could say, you know, hey, I have an open team and I have these kids that are just not really transitioning well from high school athlete to open athlete. Mm-hmm. But we have a leadership course, you know, called Emerge on how you emerge and stay in the sport and be responsible and juggle bills and juggle working and juggle school or career or whatever and still be a great teammate. So that's something that you could say, hey, I want to do four leadership lessons every Wednesday virtually in June. Mm-hmm. And you would pick up the classes that worked for your program, right? And we could do those virtually. Or you could say, hey, we're gonna get together with these couple gyms. Can you come out and do the hands-on one? And we can, we can look at that as well. But we have close to 25 different leadership-based courses that you could customize, including now uh, even the middle school age. So. Wow. Getting those kids, you know, invested in something other than the skill is going to benefit the program in addition to the athlete, you know, and it's going to also reinforce that, that you're investing in the whole athlete, not just the skill set of the athlete. Yep. So a lot of those resources, when you talk about building the program, I believe that the parents need to see that from gym owners as well. Like, hey, they're they're really helping my child become a successful adult. Yeah, you know? I mean that's opportunity. That's, so that's really all we're doing. I I tell kids and parents and owners this all the time. No one's gonna go be a professional, make twenty million dollars cheerleader. Like that's that's not what we're doing. That we're, well, we don't have, we don't have a Simone Biles or Michael Phelps really, right? Because it's a team sport, right? So we don't have that that level of, of that. We have some kids that have great, you know, sure. I mean, there's ways to turn it into financial success, but as a professional cheerleader, you you either got to go into the coaching route or events or there's other routes, but you can't just go, I'm going to be a cheerleader until I'm 45 and I'm going to make all this money and be successful. Uh, Although there's people out there who are 45 and still on a cheer mat, which I'm impressed by them being 38 and throwing stunts sometimes and wanting to cry. Um, but you know, it's, uh, well, that's, that's, what one we're doing. The, that's one of the other things that you talked about. What we're doing is we recognize that as well, all the things that you're talking about. And so new this year, that's also coming out, I think next week is that at worlds, we are going to be hosting a college and career expo. There. Oh, wow. That is cool. So what we're hoping, 
and I'm on this committee as well, but I'm not, in, I'm helping more of the logistics on this one, but we are hoping to have, so we'll have a separate place for dance mm-hmm. on a separate day, but you know how on Monday, one of the venues isn't being utilized? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that hall will be converted into the expo and then we will have, you know, affiliates, you know, our affiliates will have a booth Our, you know, obviously any co- colleges that we can pull in or universities, depending on what they do so that kids and parents can walk through that and see what the opportunities are, you know, to see what is available for their next step. Cause not everybody's going to go to a university as well, right. you know, so right. what, so that's that theater, the, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, uh, design, fashion design, makeup, sure. you know, there's all different kinds. We had a young man in our leadership program three or four years ago who, who was just, he was going into fashion, you know, that was his thing. I wish then we had this. So we could have directed him and given him guidance, but we just didn't, don't, didn't have it. So, so we're excited about that. And that will also be at the national meeting as well. So the kids that come to the national meeting will be able to go to the college expo as well. And for worlds, I imagine since it's going to be on, if it's on that Monday, you don't even have to be a world's athlete to attend that. You could go, and watch worlds and then go to that, that expo. Right. That's cool. the hope. It's that's the hope is we just really want the, the parents. And, and that's how, like when you said, what are we doing to help you? I think that's where we can help when we can help the parents see the value of what you do beyond the mat that right. is going to help you retain kids, bring in new kids, as well, because the parents are going to be your biggest advocates. And they're, you know, mm-hmm. in that and say, Hey, we went and did the sport and my kid got leadership training. My kid got a job at 16 at the gym and got trained in that. So they got a skill set. And then they also provided us with this exposure to all these different opportunities. So quick, quick little sidebar, my youngest daughter, who's now 28 and was literally in a backpack on me when I was coaching Pop Warner and kicking her little foot every time I said anything and then went all the way through all-star all the way up to her senior, like extra year, went to college, uh, you know, has a degree in a four-year degree and is now in her master's program recently, um, applied for a job that as she's going through her master's program where they said that the skills that she learned in coming up is what secured that job because she had, you know, all the, you know, learned, you know, she had coached, she was a junior coach. Mm -hmm. She worked with exceptional athletes. She was, you know, she had leadership training. She had all these things that she did for fun has now carried on through everything that she's doing. So we, yeah. we just want to continue that and make that available for every gym, uh, regardless of what their makeup is, regardless of what their demographic is. And so they all can't create these programs. That's the reality. They don't have the time or the finances to create these kind of things. So right. if we can do that for them and they don't have to do it, then that's benefit in my view. Oh gosh, a hundred percent. The way you said it of like, what are you doing to help me? Sounds so much worse than I at least wanted it to sound. <laughs> uh, it's, it's more, I just know that, I mean, the USASF's mission is to help kids and 
the the route that you guys use to help kids is by helping gym owners help kids. So, uh, I mean, that that's part of the process. So I know the reason I asked that leading question is I know you guys are working on cool things. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask about them. Um, yeah, because nobody knows that, you know, we, we sit in our cubicles and we all work remotely and, you know, just nobody really knows all this that goes on behind the scenes. But, yeah, we're working hard. Everybody. Oh, I, I believe it. I believe it. Um, well, we've been going for a little bit and we're kind of to the point where people either start to tune out or, or find another uh, episode to listen to. Uh, any parting thoughts or things that you think are um, important for gym owners or coaches to know about USASF or cheer right now or a any parting words or thoughts? Yeah, I mean – first of all, thank you so much for having me. This, I always, I could talk all day on all this stuff. I'm so passionate about everything. So I appreciate it so much, but I think we're at, we're at a crucible moment in our sport right now is the way I feel, mm -hmm. you know, with everything that's going on with everybody, you know, with the pandemic, with everything. And, and what I mean by a crucible moment is we're either going to go this way or we're going to go that way. Like, and, and we see it and we feel it. I am a believer that, we all need to be together. I'm a believer that the answer is always in the group. And so to me, what that means is that, again, to what I said at the beginning is the USASF strongly believes in committees and strongly believes in bringing as many people to the table as possible. But if the people don't come, then we're only listening to a smaller voice. Right. And, and then we, we may not always have the best perspective with the greatest intentionality. So my parting words would be, you know, answer the call, you know, get on with the RAB, uh, get on those regional calls, let your voice, you know, reach out to your regional director because there is participate. Nobody, yeah. Participate. We can't, we cannot change the trajectory of where we're going without the contribution of the people that we serve. So it is a membership organization. You have a business first and you're a member second. And we never forget that. We never forget that. So we serve you and we serve the athletes. But without your voice, we are spinning our wheels, so to speak. So get involved at some level. There's so right. many, so many varying levels, you know, but there's always a seat at the table. And I know that's probably the hardest thing right now is I don't know that people believe that. And that's our current charge is trying to work hard to, to build rebuild and build trust, you know, and we can only do that through building relationships. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I agree with you. I think people don't always, not all people believe that, but I would be remiss if I didn't say that. Although I, I think one, people are gun shy of any large entity making decisions for their lives right now. I think that that's just kind of the state of the world. Um, but I would, I, I would be lying if I didn't say that I have brought concerns to USASF and had them be listened to and changes made. So, and the only times that I've had concerns that nothing has happened is when I just was bitching about them to not someone in the USASF. Like then nothing happened. It was weird. Or if I was just on, I don't get on Facebook and complain, but you know, I, I remember when we, when you guys released the new age grid, and you, and it, 
I disagreed with it. And uh, you guys had those calls and I was on one of those calls and I was very vocal on it. And I think some people, ever, people who know me know I'm stupidly direct and it sometimes gets me in trouble, but it never has with, with USASF. I've, I've been direct. I've been, I've said, this is a bad idea. This is why it's a bad idea. And uh, you know, it's never punished my kids. I've never gotten lower scores or anything like that because of it. Um, and then the same thing last year, I think I emailed you five times about world's bids and, you know, I'm really stressed out about these things and with virtual and I know I wasn't the only one who emailed, but USASF, I was persistent, uh, but USASF made an adjustment and it ended up, I ended up not needing it, but I know it helped other people. And, uh, so I would just, I guess, throw in and say, you guys have always, in my opinion, been open to feedback. Well, and I think I appreciate that because I, I want, I would love for people to know that although like myself and the other regional directors, we are the decision makers, we are and can be the advocate. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was for you in that instance, because I don't know that they're in full transparency. I don't know there was a clear understanding of what was happening in the West Coast versus it was kind of like, well, that's not happening here, so it shouldn't be happening here. And your consistent and persistence with me when we were having these discussions, I was able to advocate for, for all of the West Coast on a much higher level because of your persistence. Had you not been so persistent, I may not have known the depth of what was happening because I'm not in your shoes. Right. So and you're not point. looking at who's registering for what competitions. You're not seeing that a competition yeah. like this weekend that's going to have 10 world's teams at it had 30 virtually yeah. registered from across the country. And here's the yeah. West Coast going, wait, what? Uh, we we were just closed yeah. for two months. We've only been open for two weeks and we're going to compete for a bid. So, um, yeah, and so that's I so think- much appreciated. And I think that's part of the misunderstanding or those, you know, misconceptions about the USASF is what we continuously have to address and work towards. But that's why I was saying we're in a crucible moment. We have new leadership. We have new direction. We have, you know, just like everybody else, we are human beings and we have been brought to our knees with this pandemic as well. Like there hasn't been moments for all of us when we haven't felt broken uh, as as well as all of you and our hearts. We tried so much during the pandemic to be there for everybody. And I think we did a really good job for those who were willing to to take it and those who didn't, I think. I mean, I, I will say I believe the USASF helped some gyms stay in business during the pandemic from our efforts during that time. And then there were some businesses that chose not to and didn't make it. You know, I, I believe that to be true because we I know what we did to, to help gyms during that time. So we're at this crucible moment and we are headed in a very positive trajectory for the sport and for the kids. But we are going to get there much quicker with everybody who's you know willing to come in and sit at the table with us. It's yep. going to help. It's going to yep. help. And we're going to, like you said, we're going to disagree. And if everybody's open to those disagreements and know that the regional directors can be your advocate, then use them, call them. That's what we're here for. That's, that's the, that is the bridge between where we're going and where you are is that Mm -hmm. those regional directors and they can help place you and put you in places so that your voice can be heard in the appropriate lane, you know? So if you're, if you're passionate about rules, then we need to get you connected with how that can 
your voice can be heard there. If you're really passionate about like the wellness or, you know, any athlete protection or any of those things, then we can help you get connected there. That, that the, the regional directors are your bridge and, yeah. and they're, they're amazing women. And I admire them so much because they have endured a lot in the last couple of years, just as you have, but they're really dig, digging in to, to make our sport better. Well, I imagine your job and for those listening and being saying, I'm just being a cheerleader for the USASF, I've given them a hard time on things when I feel they deserve it. But I can't imagine that your job is super easy in the sense of I'm betting most of the time you get emails, it's because it's a problem. You're not getting a lot of like, hey, good news. I, you know, just got a new puppy. Uh, It's, it's. Why isn't this athlete's background check done? Or I need you to change this roster because we just had this emergency. And you guys and both of those things are things that I've called you about. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, I can't imagine that you I I feel like you guys need like a shot of vodka to get up and open your emails in the morning because, you know, it's just going to be you should probably just have a cup of coffee, not a shot of vodka. I don't I don't promote uh, drinking during the day, people. But. It's just like you're, you know, you're opening your emails and it's probably going to be a lot of heavy problems. Yeah, it's, you're, you're exactly right. And the analogy is almost the same as what you guys experience as gym owners, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you, it's the same thing. It is the same thing. You have a vision and you understand what you're supposed to do and you're trying to do it. And then the athletes are at the core of what you do. But then you have parents as well, right? And the parents are are unhappy and they think you should do it a certain way. But they don't understand all that goes into what you do to run your operation, right? They don't really understand it. They just are very focused on what their need is for their child, which is what it should be, right, as a parent. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the USASF. We have at the core, our, our focus is on athlete safety and it is on the longevity of the sport, right? That's our focus and what we're charged with doing. And that's what the compliance is about and all, all those components. And you guys, as the gym owners, come to us with your problems specific to your needs, specific mm-hmm. to your sense of urgency, et cetera. So it's, it's the same thing. And so I would say to all of you is, you know, look at how you are, you you know, deal and cope with the situation and then approach it differently. So if that makes sense, you know, it's, it, we're in the same boat. Mm-hmm. So there are, sure there are days when you don't like opening up your email and your text either, because you're going to get notified that somebody can't make it to practice. Right. And it's, right. it's, it's the same thing. You're either a zero or you're a hero, right? Like, yes. Yeah. You're, you're even the greatest guy in the world or you have just ruined their life. That's what we all, yes. that's what, that's mm-hmm. what that's what we do too but at the end of the day at the end of a very long day the fact that the work that i do the work that the regional directors do is positively impacting at least one is what we all do this for same as you guys yeah you know, if one kid's going to walk out of your gym in 10 years from now you might get a thank you you might not but you know you made a difference and that's, yep. that's, that's how we we'll operate. We're, tr- we're trying our best to do our best. We're going to make mistakes. You guys make mistakes, but we can't divide. That's my biggest thing right now. We just cannot divide because that's not going to be good for anybody in my view. So. Oh, I agree. We got we we to work together. collaboratively. 
And we got to have the hard, hard conversations. And I will tell you what I'm excited to say that we are working on something as well where that platform will be. You guys can tell us everything you want to tell us. And <laughs> You're brave. Um, all right. Well, Karen, thank you yeah. so much. I got to go get ready for my last practices before I see you tomorrow. Um, okay. So, well, hopefully, I'll have those. a 100% uh, you know compliant pin for you. You know, but uh, tomorrow, <laughs> I, I, I think you should. I, I don't see why we wouldn't be, but who knows? Yeah. Well, uh, we'll, we'll put it together tomorrow, and my hope is that when we all see each other, and we can just have fun. You know. Yeah. The kids need to see us having fun too, you know? Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Next Generation, Connecting People and Profits podcast. If you love this content, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and head over to our website to sign up for our emails with tips and tricks on how to grow your business.